Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 28 of Death Space Filling the Void. You know, there are weekends where there are big, eventful things that happen, and then there are the Home Depot weekends. <laughs> I'm coming off a Home Depot weekend, you know? Jamie and I returned to Sander, returned some Christmas presents that needed to be shipped back and replaced, like Will Ferrell in old school. You know, we had a nice little Saturday. Went to Dick's Sporting Goods and bought some dumbbells. You know, I, I've been working out at home since the pandemic and was starting to look around at gyms and then Omicron happened. So <sighs> it was just like I needed some more weights. I only had two 20-pound kettlebells here. Well, for some 50-pounders. So join me next week when I talk about how I threw my back out. <laughs> we also... Well, I guess the one big eventful thing from last weekend is we were thinking about doing Dry January. We'd done it the past two years. In fact, we went through mid-March until we were packing for our move to Charleston when we started introducing alcohol. Because, I mean, I don't know how you pack up your house without a beer. I mean, of course it's possible. I'm being sarcastic, but it's just so much better. (laughs) But yeah, we caved. A mezcal. I caved with a, a mezcal mule, and I have no regrets. No, I do a little bit. It's like what you couldn't go one month without doing it. You went, you went like eight days, Pat. Yeah, but a little bit of shame, but that's okay. Oh man, I saw some some pretty awful news. There was a, a kid, I believe, in Connecticut who died after a, a freak accident playing hockey. And I played hockey growing up, and. It was so much fun, and I, I learned so much about myself and, and teamwork and becoming a leader and perseverance and made friends and, and all that wonderful stuff. And so to imagine a kid dying while playing a game is just uh, its so awful to think. So my heart definitely goes out to his family and friends, and uh, it's got to be so hard. Well, there's no good segue to come out of that. But this is a podcast about death, so <laughs> just going to just going to own it. Have a fantastic interview lined up. I spoke with Mai Waller. Mai is a, a doula and the executive director and founder of the Mace Anthony Williamson Foundation. Mai unfortunately lost Mace while giving birth to him in a pretty in a tragic in a tragic way and it took her years to get the answers that she sought as to how Mace died and and why Mace died it seemed like there wasn't a lot of communication after that but of course Mai will explain all that Mai's done a, an incredible job of turning tragedy into something positive with her her foundation and working as a doula and, and trying to help other people so that what happened to her doesn't happen again, which is beyond incredible. And I certainly wish her all the best. And I think you will too after you meet her. <laughs> At least in this podcast version of meeting her. So before we go to that interview, I just want to remind you to check the show out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you're liking the show, please remember to rate and review it. Apple Podcasts, Spotify is introducing a review aspect that really helps out in the algorithm to share the news. So yeah, thank you so much for doing that. 
As always, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the interview. Joining me now on the podcast is Mai Waller, who is the founder and director of the Mace Foundation. Mai, I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's okay with the introduction. And it's the Mace Anthony Williamson Foundation. I, I like to, to say the whole thing because he was the Mace Anthony Williamson. Thank you. Thank you so much for correcting me. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to leave it in, but uh, I was just saying that I get so nervous at the intros that I'm going to mess up because there's so much power to what you're doing and and I don't want to mess it up that but that like circular comes around to me messing up anyway thrilled to have you here uh and thrilled to be talking to you so why don't we start by you introducing yourself a little bit and and talking about talking about your son um well my name is my Waller and I was born and raised in Florida before I came to Greensboro North Carolina actually in November of 2016. And I came here actually because I was in a long distance relationship with Mace's dad, uh, who was then the love of my life. His name was David. He was afraid to move to Florida. He Mm. was just coming out of the military and he wanted to be with his family. Mm-hmm. And I respected that. And I'm, I'm a person, I know how to adapt and survive. I didn't waste a year of my life dating you <laughs> to not see where I can go. So I moved here. I quickly conceived my first child, Mace. In January, I found out I was pregnant with him. And I'm not going to sugarcoat a thing in this. I'm just going to be honest. That pregnancy was super isolating and, and not what I thought it was going to be. It was healthy, of course. Uh, me and my best friend were actually pregnant at the same time, which did make up for, you know, how alone I was up here in North Carolina without my family during such a special time. And I was thinking the whole time, actually, that my mom wasn't going to be here for the birth. And I'm the baby of seven. And I'm, I'm about to have my first child. And I could not believe that she wasn't even making an effort to even be here mm-hmm. from what I thought. And then she comes on September 19th, which is the day before my due date. She Aww. texts me and she's like, come outside. And I'm like, it's eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm not coming outside. It was the it was fall. It was kind of cold. And then she calls me and she's like, girl, open this door. So I go to the door and she's at the bottom of the stairs, seriously down there. So I was so happy. Like, oh my goodness, you just don't even know. I was so happy because this was her first time visiting me. This was my first visitor. Uh... After almost a year of being up here, I had went home to visit them, to have a baby shower and stuff like that. That was only maybe twice out of, I think the first, what, nine months because I was pregnant. So, so. But she came and it was just the best day ever. Like I was so happy. It was just the best day ever. <laughs> it was. Yeah, that's was awesome. Happy. So then that evening I went into labor and I told her, I'm like, I cannot sleep. And she was like, oh, try to use the bathroom. So I did. And then my water breaks on the toilet. And it was just so textbook. The pregnancy was textbook because it was perfect. And then for my water to break, it was like a movie scene. So it was like really textbook. It's like, okay, your water broke. Let's go. Next step. And the drive to the hospital was kind of far. And that's only because I didn't know anyone in Greensboro to get prenatal care advice or anything. So all my doctors were kind of far away as well as the Mm -hmm. hospital. So we had a long drive before we got there. Well, when we did, I was triaged and, you know, everything was good. Mace was super active. We went into the mother, a baby room, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, the mm-hmm. delivery room. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, I, I was born to this. And, and you know what? Even after having three kids now, you would think I, I know 
all the outs and ins, but it's like, you really, that time is so traumatizing to every woman, whether it's a success or, you know, it's what happened with Mace. But it is so traumatizing. Is it because, because it's of- it's like a blur of there's people, there's machines around you. You don't really know what everything that's going on. There's yes. no time to really explain everything. Yes, absolutely. Okay. That is so, so what it was. When it was time to be checked, actually, for my 10 centimeters, Mace was moving around so much. They had actually already taken off the fetal monitors, I guess, uh, that mm-hmm. go on your belly. Every pregnant woman knows them, uh, the blue and pink things they took them off because mace was moving so much and they had to adjust them so much so they ended up putting a scalp monitor on his head in my they literally went in, in up inside me put something on top of my baby to monitor his heart rate so when the nurse comes in to check us at 10 centimeters it actually comes off as she's pulling her fingers out and again that time is a blur so i honestly don't even remember that being put back on or anything like that but if it was we would have known because mace was in distress Mm. he was he was clearly in distress because i was pushing for a couple of hours actually with that same nurse and she ended up being relieved by another nurse at that time so the pushing went on for a while and then i called it my pushing went on so long that the nurse was like i need a lunch break <laughs> you, listen, might as well. She had to go home. She's like, listen, look, I, I work my 12 hours. It's time for me to go home. Yeah. Oh Our my gosh. That just puts it in so much context, break. right? Of, of of how much distress you were in. My goodness. Listen, it was crazy. They do their rounds or whatever. And then I just tell her, the other nurse, I'm like, listen, can you use the forceps or something? Because really that's all I knew. I, I'm 22 years old. I really don't know anything. It's my first baby. I'm like, look, use the forceps. That's what I knew because I knew that my doctor, she's like, you don't want to be one of those moms that has to have a C-section. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to gain too much weight to have to have a C-section. And I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be that. And my sister actually recovered. I watched her, excuse me, recover from a C-section. And it's not the, the best thing wanting to enjoy your new baby and healing wise. When she said that if the, C- the forceps fail, that I would have to do a C-section I said, whatever, you know, do whatever you need to do. What do you, what is she trying to do with the forceps? They put it on the baby's head, like right there. And they try to pull the baby out basically with the forceps, like tongs. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. On a sensitive little scalp, right? They do this. I'm like about to call them tongs. (laughs) Hmm. They do the forceps. The forceps fail. Mace is stuck in there. And the next step, what do we say? It was supposed to be a C-section and I was okay with that. I okayed it. That did not happen. The doctor came in. I believe he actually used the forceps. The doctor actually called for a vacuum assisted delivery. And I have never heard of that. I had I, never heard of it like that. I'm only hearing about of that for the first time here. I didn't realize that that was something that the doctors tried. When Mace was delivered, attempted to be delivered via vacuum assisted delivery, it failed after three pop-offs. So he was still stuck. Even after all that, still stuck. Oh my goodness. Um, so after was there pushing, something going on? Listen, they did, if they would have known how this child was positioned in my womb, which they should have, mm-hmm. they would have known how to, a doctor would have known how to move and the steps to take with that. But it's mm-hmm. the fact that they didn't know how my son was positioned until I was cut twice. So I had an episiotomy, two inches, and then I pushed really hard and he came out. He came right out. I'm small in the frame. I'm very, the sweater, you know, kind of makes me look a little, you know, but I'm (laughs) small 
And um, mm-hmm. I was even small uh, with Mace. I gained my weight, but I was still small in frame. And he was a big baby. He was like seven, two. He was my biggest baby, actually. My other kids were like six pounds. Oh, wow. You know, and uh, I had C-sections with them. After that vacuum assist delivery and the, the episiotomy, Mace came out and from his dad's perspective, because I didn't see him when he first came out, it was no cry. And uh, he was blue and purple. Mm. Mace was blue and purple. And that actually stuck with David. You know, and I know it sticks with him forever because he saw his son dead. How did he react? Dead because he, he was dead when he came up. Oh, my gosh. We all were still trying to still, you know, be calm as possible mm-hmm. and let them handle it because we didn't know at that point. They resuscitated him mm-hmm. and they gave him his color, which is when my mom went over and snapped a picture and they're like, put your phone away. Yeah. That's a beautiful time where you're able to have cameras and stuff like that out. So really right, cause even, even like healthy babies that don't have anything wrong, they don't look like you or I. They, they look like aliens for the first Correct. little bit there. So. Correct. And they cry. Yeah, right. Mace, he didn't cry. He never opened his eyes. And then I hear them say, cold teddy bear. And at that time, I really didn't know what that meant at all. I just knew that they told me Mace was going to the NICU and he was going to be there for like three days. That's what I was thinking, that he was only going to be there three days. I have like text messages, messenger messages of that time where I'm really believing that my son is coming home. Like I'm telling my sister like, oh yeah, he's good. You know, he, he's just bullcrapping us right now. He just had a stressful labor. Like I swear to you. I swear to you. It wasn't even being naive. Mm. It was just not being told the right things even when I asked on the second day because I he was getting tests and stuff ran like EKGs or whatever or ECGs excuse me whatever they call it in uh, medical terms I'll get there one day <laughs> he was not going anywhere you know he he was just not there and they knew it and I asked them I'm like well nothing's changing with him is is it fatal they're like no the worst it could be is medical not medical excuse me cerebral palsy and I started looking that up as any mother would, you know, when your child is in the hospital, <clears throat> in the NICU, and um, you're really wanting them to come home, of course. You yeah. want your baby to be okay. You're going to look up the things that they're saying <clears throat> will give them a chance of coming home. So I was like, yeah, shoot, <clears throat> cerebral palsy, I'll take them. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I mean, as long as he can leave here, let's go. But that wasn't the case. So I'm um, on the seventh day. That's when I was able to get an MRI done on Mace. He was seven days in the NICU. And... It was torture. Me and Dave sat through that. And um, they told us that Mace had passed away from lack of oxygen, Mm. you know, from being stuck in my birth canal. Oh, man, I'm so, so, so sorry. That's that must have been so hard. Yes, it was. And Um, it continues to be still hard. I'm sure that's not something that you you spend a month and, and you feel better. I mean, grief is never like that, right? Never. Never, never, especially when you're like blamed in a way for it and you kind of like blame yourself, you know, and I blame me, you know, I blame myself. I'm like, my body couldn't push my son out. And that's all I wanted was to push him out. I didn't want to have to do anything else. I wanted him to just come out and he didn't. From that time on, I knew I wanted to try to have as much control over the situation as I could. When I went on to have my next child, Micah, my rainbow baby, that's what we call our babies after loss. 
because our rainbow babies. When I went on to have him, I told them straight up. And it was a new set of doctors, everything. I was in my city. I had team love me and make sure that I was okay and, and good. Seriously, Jennifer Rosh, I love her to death, to death. She's an RN in Greensboro. She has my heart forever because I said that May sent her to me to make sure that children made it here. Like, seriously, because I was, when I got pregnant, I was happy, but I still didn't know if I should call my old OBGYN who failed Mm -hmm. me because they weren't even there when it was time to deliver Mace. So so the doctors who birthed my son were people I didn't even know. So that's what makes this so sad because a lot of other people don't have to have an experience like that. They don't, they, they, especially with good insurance. Now I can say I had state Medicaid at the time. Mm. And I feel like that also plays a huge part in the discrepancy in the, in the, the healthcare that, that we receive and the seriousness in situations like that. And it's it, unbelievable, the right? It's, it's just, yeah. it's unfathomable that in, in such a wealthy country that that everyone can't have the health care that they need say that say that seriously it is sad from that time I, I went on to have elective c-sections with my next children and they were healthy pregnancies healthy babies I knew that mace was healthy I fought for him I fought for the truth because I needed to know hmm. I needed to know and that's all I wanted was the truth yeah nothing, not a cent not a dollar not nothing could ever bring my son back nothing but I just want to know the truth so I can tell it. Because if I can tell my truth, it makes it it makes a difference. Because when I blamed myself for three years, that's what killed me. Oh my gosh. The, you know, the and I went weight that, that must have put on your shoulders. Tell me a little bit about that time of you just blame. I mean, what's going through your head? Are, are you able to sleep? Are you taking care okay. of yourself? At that time, very early before before Michael, it was tragic. Oh my God. Oh, you just don't know. So when, when when I gave them my mace that night, they gave me a green heart-shaped pillow to lead a hospital with. Their fair share of resources and whatever. But I had to go home to that nursery. Mm. Patrick. Oh my God, his name was, you know, in bold black letters, you know, and it was like right in my face all the time and like you just don't know when to take the nursery down you don't really but you want to try to take it down you know as soon as uh, because I built his life you know I built the life for a child you know that I before I met him Mm -hmm. you know I mean physically in the room and physically like or and emotionally like in your heart you created space for this this child that's that's not there oh my gosh Yes, I did. I did. I did. So um, when we took the nursery down, we put everything in storage and it was just hard to um, do the normal things that I um, used to do because they, you know, I didn't work that pregnancy. You know, that was my first child and he made sure that I didn't have to work, which kind of backfired because we were a little poor, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is why I fight for financial. Hey, we need to be there for these moms because you never know what families are going through. I, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. No, it's okay. It's okay. Sorry, it's just, thought, but, what, um, uh, let me let me help you find it. What helped? So you describe it. Things are going into storage. There we what, go. Okay. What, so, what helped you start to feel a little bit better? When I got tired, let me tell you. I'm gonna tell you the God honest truth, right? Okay. <laughs> I got tired of having those plaits in my hair, and they're they, and plaits are braids, mm-hmm. and I had had the same braids 
from before I had mace because, you know, you try to have your hair in a hairstyle where you don't have to do it all the time. So I'm like, let me get some plaques so I don't have to do my hair. I didn't touch my hair for months. That's how I knew I was depressed because I didn't care about getting my hair done or anything, but I knew I needed to get my hair done (laughs) and I needed to go back to work. I was ready and well, I thought I was. I needed to see my hairstylist again. I couldn't just put my hair in the hands of anyone. So I had to go back and confront those same people who had saw me for nine months. So this was their first time seeing me. They didn't know what happened with me. So it was their first time there. So when I saw them, they're like, hey, how's the baby? Oh, yeah. So it was like, I had to just confront it head on. Mm-hmm. I went to different grocery stores. That was nothing. But hairstylists, <laughs> you know, you want the same loyalty. That's like your barber. You want to keep the I same I mean, yeah, barber. when you find a good hairstylist or barber, that's, I mean, that might be like your longest relationship, you know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, Miranda. <laughs> Miranda Jones and uh, Angela Bullock. Yeah, both of them. They are, I've, I've been seeing them for four years. So they're like my therapist mm-hmm. in a way. Seriously, they are. So just actually confronting them first, it made it so much easier to do regular life things and to get, just get back out there. I did still didn't share my story like that. Still didn't get back on social media until four months later. So that was pretty quick. But <laughs> in grief, mm-hmm. it's a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a long freaking time, seriously, because it just was like, oh, my God, I went right back to work. And then I was miserable. I was depressed still. Mm -hmm. I thought about Mace all the time. I could I was at work, but I just couldn't really be there. So I made every effort to have a baby. And I did. And I asked God, send me my baby, please. I just feel like I'm losing it out here. Like I'm just existing. Like I'm Mm -hmm. not really living. I'm just existing. You know, I don't have a purpose. And he gave me that again. He did because you lose it all when you're grieving and it it never ends. No, unfortunately, it never does. Going back a little bit to the hospital, just trying to understand. So Mace comes out, there's a problem. What's that moment like for you? Is that like one of those time stands still and they rush the baby out? What, What was that like? Both like step by step and like how you felt well it was you know the cold teddy bear thing again I told you I don't I didn't at the time know what it meant but thinking now of course the teddy bear is lifeless think about a teddy bear it's it's nothing so when I put now when I'm putting that together it's like dang I didn't know anything at that time gosh I didn't make any relation I just really thought that he was okay but when I found out that he was going to be on a cooling blanket to save whatever cells in his brain that were still good it was like I just, I don't know. I still had hope because they told me that it was cerebral palsy. So I'm like, well, as long as he's alive, I didn't care about that. Mm -hmm. I just wanted him home with me. So just hearing, I had to wait seven days to even know it was torture for Mm -hmm. seven days, for seven days. Yeah. Seven. Oh my gosh. You're just in a complete holding. I mean, you can't advance mentally in any direction or do anything. No. Just kind of existing correct you could just hope and pray what it was for me was watching him change his appearance mm. mace's appearance changed so much in 12 days he deteriorated right before my eyes you know oh. and i didn't see it as that i didn't see it as that you they should have known they could see that but i saw my pain Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on a second. No, don't be sorry at all. Take a second. Take take all the time you need. 
Ooh, I'm sorry. But yeah, I just saw my baby. Like, mm-hmm. through it all. Like, I just saw him. Oh man, I'm so, so sorry. Just, you know, this. it was just torturous. It was just torture. It was torture. And when they told me that he was brain dead, I still just had hope because I just I went to Google mm-hmm. and I saw that people live through brain death. <laughs> you just want to keep all the hope you can. Like seriously, this is this is no bullshit. And that's what babies, parents, whatever. You just want to have hope that they're gonna make. Mm-hmm. And I did. The realist at the end of the day, I prayed and I had to realize like he's he's not getting better. Like they're doing, they're sticking them and all this other stuff. Like it's just not nothing is changing. Mm. You know, so I had to really just my faith was shaking at first because I'm like, why would God do this, you know, to a baby? I had to also realize if I believed that Mace was going to heaven, I had to believe that God was gonna tear for real and that he was going and that he was there so i'm like he's not even here anymore he's just a body october 2nd we uh took mace off life support i sent my mom back to florida we didn't let dave's parents come be there because we deserved that time alone with him we never had a moment to be alone with him you know like normal parents yeah like normal parents so we just took that time to just just be with him and um, just cherish his last time. And um, it was the hardest thing in the world for me to, to give to my baby. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, and during this time, what is the what is the hospital telling you? What are the nurses and doctors telling you? It seems like even now, I mean, you had to go back after the fact and kind of piece it together yourself. Were they just not telling you anything, or they were just doing their tests and stuff? Listen, it was never. He's passed away. Just go ahead and give it up. It was nothing like that. It was there being doctors and nurses like they're supposed to and not saying too much and not saying too little. And that's just how it went until I sat in front of a team of uh, neurologists, pediatric neurologists, and told me the truth that he passed away from lack of oxygen. But you have to do your own stuff sometimes. You can't just take what they say. Information is powerful, right? Like you getting to you getting answers seems to be what's helped you the most through grief absolutely justice 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 for mace you know that's just that it's it's, it'll always be justice for mace Mm -hmm. always even to this day because i mean it's it it's still that until we save a thousand one was taken to save a thousand you know and i haven't saved a thousand yet yeah one uh Oh, my so freaking cute i made him a halo that's great yeah i love that <laughs> how did you how did you get in front of the the neuro, team of neurologists mace was in the children's hospital so i mean he was in the NICU i had to wait what the seventh day they did the mri with him i believe i was there they when they did it but they did the mri and they i mean they let us know the results. I mean, it wasn't too long before they told us the results. They called us in this meeting room and it was several people in there. I had my little journal, the green journal. I don't have it right here right now, but it's actually the journal that I would write to Mace to daily because I wrote my son letters every day when I remembered because pregnancy brain. But I did write to my son because I wanted him to know how much I loved him, how much of a king he was, 
how much of royalty he is, how much of a future he had coming for him, all of that. And oh, that's I it. love that. Yeah. So many people have described grief as, or, or journaling being so helpful in grief. So that's a great way of channeling how you're feeling, I'm sure. If you're listening to this podcast, one of the reasons may be because you're interested in having your death or a loved one's death be celebrated in, in a different way, to, to think outside the box a little bit. I, I personally really like the idea of that. And that's why I'm partnering with a company called Spirit Vessel, who creates these guided personalized ceremonies for yourself or, or a loved one. Well, just to give you a little bit of background, Spirit Vessel is a sister-owned company that is bringing sacred ceremonies around death back into the home in a beautiful and meaningful way. I love it. I love the idea of of making it more personal. And I've experienced wakes and funerals that it felt so cold and, and wish that I could inject a little bit more personality and, and more storytelling to help the grieving process. Spirit Vessel has these handcrafted ceramic urns and personalized celebration of life ceremony packages that can be done in the comfort of your home or through webcasting services. Whether you're grieving the loss of a loved one, preparing for an imminent death, or taking steps to plan for your own death, Spirit Vessel provides resources to help you respond from your heart with creativity and courage. So basically you can design your own creative and and personalized intimate ceremony that represents the person who you're celebrating. And there's also tips to help people who are grieving going forward. So whether you're interested in the celebration of life ceremony packages, or you'd like to check out or order one of their handcrafted ceramic urns, which are so cool, by the way, check out Spirit Vessel. And if you do order anything, feel free to use the promo code DEATHSPACE for free shipping. If you're like me, it could be really hard to come up with the words to say in a card. I know, I always laugh too, because talk about 10 years of improv training down the drain. <laughs> Not being able to come up with anything. But especially, that's especially, but that's especially, but that's especially so. I don't know why I can say especially. There you go. Perfect. I can say it. <laughs> During times of grief, or when someone loses someone. But thankfully, there's the card studio. There are no words to comfort in a time of deep loss. But you send a card because you care. Yeah, because as we've learned through this podcast, sending something, saying anything, is better than saying nothing. The Cardist Studio creates your message, writes it in your card, and mails it for you. See? They'll help you out. You have the intention. The Cardist has the words. Bing, bang, boom. All you do is pick the card and tell why you're sending it. No anxiety. All care. For a message from your heart, but not your hands. Just sit back and enjoy your relationships. You know, you won't have that awkward feeling like, ah, was that too much? Did I say too much? Am I talking too much? As I'm literally talking too much? As opposed to figuratively talking too much, Pat. All right. <laughs> My inner voice is kind of mean to me. TheCardistStudio.com, thoughtful, just got easy. And better yet, you can use the promo code DEATHPOD, one word, for 10% off all orders. You ever lie in your resume? Huh? Look at me. Look at me when you're lying. No, you should never do that. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> but it can be daunting to, to look at a, a job listing, see everything that you have and, and things that you probably don't have. But we can fix that with my software tutor. 
My Software Tutor offers three levels of real-time Zoom-based courses with a live instructor. So I'm going to keep you on task. They've seen it. They've heard it. They've seen the resumes. They know the holes. But they're here to help. They all deliver practical, functional business skills in a friendly and supportive environment. It'd be funny if it really wasn't a supportive environment. When are you going to understand this? <laughs> of course, that's not the case. That's just the anxiety or, or, or reliving fear dreams we had as children. These courses will increase your marketability. The job market couldn't be better right now. So it's a perfect time to invest in yourself and, and improve that resume. Whether you're an employee, job seeker, consultant, or contractor. You can sign up for these classes at mysoftwaretutor.com and use the promo code POD20 to save 20% off all registrations. What you look at that? All right. Enjoy that new job. Where does the... Uh, you weren't able to tell the real story for a while. Tell me how that came to be. Uh, in because like I said, I had to kind of wait for a few years and that's not really something that I could super touch on, you okay. know, for legal purposes. But I mean, I had to wait for that long to actually get the, the, the actual truth of the matter. And it wasn't four, well, it was four years before everything was done. Three years before I got the facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's how it was. It was really just a, a battle. That's what we'll call it. Okay, so we can't talk about a little uh, too much, but uh, the just to give the the listeners like the a title or a, a premise. It turned out that there was some kind of medical malpractice, and 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 correct. Okay, correct, correct, and that's still being correct. Fun. It was. How did that medical malpractice coming into play in in his death? How did that? Did that reopen your grieving process? How did that change how, how you felt? That's what kind of dr- made the grief worse because it was like every single year, I'm not knowing what happened to Mace, what happened to Mace. And then I'm blaming me. And then I'm, I still, I have one son, I had a baby and then I had a good year and then I had another baby. So, you know, in that time frame of this, I had two kids. So three kids in four years. So that's just a lot on top of that. And I tried my best not to even think about it, honestly, because I had to raise my kids. I couldn't focus on something that was up in the air, potentially. I had to just focus on the now. That's great. Good for you. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, medical malpractice, eh, taking your child away. I can't even, I mean, the whole thing is, yeah. is, is tragic, but the fact that like it wasn't, quote unquote, an act of God that uh, like a stillbirth or, right. or something like that. It was, right. he was, he was on his way. And so. Correct. Mm. Yeah. Oh, you said it. Oh God. Yes. That is so true though. That is so, so true. Uh, the, the positive that we can take from this, not that there has to be a positive because grief is grief. And, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to fix people's grieving process never thing yeah but you have this foundation now tell me about that and 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 when did it get started okay so we actually opened the mace anthony williamson foundation this year in may oh congratulations Um, that's not too long ago yeah that's great yes right we're so new stomping you know hitting (laughs) the ground like that's that's what i talk to people like when i speak on this foundation i say faith because i literally took a leap of faith when I did this because I knew it was 
now or never. Mm-hmm. It was now or never because I was in a hamster wheel working my job, my kids in daycare. And, you know, I was in a cycle and I was working from home and it just gave me too much time to think. Mm. This desk that I'm sitting at was from when I started my work from home job. I didn't have a desk or anything at home, like none of this. Damn, that's where I'm um, sitting but, at. <laughs> right. And I also like, live in Charleston. <laughs> because <the> of <laughs> Big changes happen. <laughs> but yes. So I just was like, you know what? <clears throat> I have to do this, you know, now with what little I had. I'm like, let me just get a lawyer so they can handle the paperwork for this. Because I knew that it, people go through so much trying to start nonprofits especially with the paperwork. Mm -hmm. So I knew that if I had a team that could handle that for me, that that's one less thing that that's going to get sent back for me Mm -hmm. because there's a certain way that I knew I had to do this. It has to be respected Mm -hmm. when it's checked. That's just that. So um, when you check me, respect me. When I decided that I wanted to start a website and all this, I got a team in New York, uh, the web founders. I love them dearly. They're like my family now. And they saw my vision and they believed in me. They took my project on and they gave me a vision too. You know, once they put a logo to it, it was like, what? Let's go. Mm -hmm. My son is on here. Mace, we did it. Like we did it. You know, I told you that you would live forever. You know, I said that to him because that's, that's, that's what I promised him. You know, I promised him that I would live for him. Mm -hmm. So everything that I'm doing now with these women and what we're trying to do with these doulas and this program and our resource center is for him and and for all the other babies who who have fallen due to medical malpractice, SIDS, disease, whatever the reason may have been. But I truly send my heart out to those mothers who've experienced what I have and don't even know it. So it's, it's, it's support for, for mothers and families that have lost a child, be it SIDS or medical malpractice. Correct. Or, correct. Okay. Well, that's correct. wonderful. It's also what provide doulas for newly pregnant moms too. We want to make sure that everyone has access to doulas if they want them. That's not something that's a privilege. It's something that's a necessity. Well, especially I'm sure... I've interviewed people for this podcast that have had, that have lost a child to SIDS. I've also done one on, on miscarriage. And when they decide to have another child, that, that pregnancy was described to me as just this like agonizing anxiety inducing experience. And so having a doula, I'm sure helps, right? It's not going to fix all those, all that anxiety, but uh, right. Sure it really gives the dad too. And I think about the dads too, because people always count the dads out. Like we cannot leave the dads out. It mm-hmm. gives the father more time to be there for the mom. You and know, they want to be right. Like that's what they really, yeah. especially after a loss. It's like, no, I want to be watching every step. I want to be there, you know, every step of the way <laughs> advocating too. And the parents give that green light to the doula to advocate for them. Mm-hmm. look, this is wrong. His heart rate is this, you know, they make those calls for them. And it doesn't take a medical rocket science to, scientist to make a call when a baby's heart rate is decreasing. Come on. Mm-hmm. So obviously Mace passes away. You said that you wanted to have a child because you felt like it, it didn't, it would give you more purpose. What was that pregnancy was like, did, did you experience that, that kind of anxiety? I knew that Mace was healthy, so it was nothing to breeze through the pregnancy. And then also when I knew that I could take control and say I'm having an elective C-section and then having Jennifer Rosh, 
I actually started bleeding early in my pregnancy with Micah. And I was like, Lord, please, Lord, would you really do this again? Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer actually saw me and she saw my stomach and she asked me if I had a baby and I shared my story and we bonded and she made sure I had a doctor um, that I saw her too because she worked there mm -hmm. um, and I had everything I needed like it was a breeze during the pregnancy because I had an elective c-section I knew I was going to be okay unless I died during that but mm -hmm. at least the baby would make it yeah oh my gosh uh I, that's that's all such a heavy thing wearing weighing on you during such a, a trying time so uh man I'm, I'm so happy to hear that those babies came out good and so pretty cute Ah, uh, what a great that's picture. That's Micah. He's a big boy. <laughs> and that's me when I was He's pregnant with my girl. <laughs> look at him. He looked my five. Yeah. He's only three. <laughs> right. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's such a nice picture. Thank you. Yes. Beautiful. Well, how can people get involved with your foundation? Well, they can uh, actually donate to our foundation by logging into www.themafoundation.org because we're trying to get this resource center and it starts with community. You know, we have to support and help each other. I can't do this alone. This foundation is 100% volunteer, self-funded by moi. We don't have any, none of that yet. We're getting there though. We're getting there, I promise you. But we really need all the help we can get, guys. That's great. And, and for people listening, I'll definitely have the link posted in the episode description on whatever platform you're finding this. So you'll be able to, to find it there. What would you say to mothers, fathers, people that are going through what you went through? What kind of, what can help them in, in such uh, just an awful and dark time? I just want to let them know to feel every emotion that you're feeling. Don't hide your feelings, your grief or anything, you know, feel it because they they're your baby, no matter if they were a full-term baby, like my mace, whether they were a miscarriage at six weeks, whatever, you love that child from the time you saw those pink lines. So don't feel ashamed of your feelings. Don't feel like your baby was, didn't exist. You're a mother, you're a father, you matter, your baby matters. And I have your back. If you need me, I'm here. I love that. That's so nice. Like we were saying before, whether it's a miscarriage or whatever point that the baby's lost, you built this space in your heart for this child. So allow yourself to feel those feelings. I mean, that's so sad to think that some people feel like if a baby was passed away that young, that their grief isn't real. It's like, no, it sure as hell is. You wouldn't believe it. People are like, oh, you can have another one sensitive comments and I wish people like think before they speak too because they're like oh yeah well you have another baby or you have other kids and it's like you can't say stuff like that to no. people it's awful. You know, that's so you're discounting the loss completely yeah well is there anything you think I'm missing related to Mace your foundation anything that you want to talk about no, because you were so thorough. I can't even lie. I'm like, gosh, you really like, I was thinking of stuff to say, but you were actually really thorough. And if it's, if it's anything that you feel is too sensitive and you haven't asked it, ask it anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Seriously, because yeah. I think I can take it. That's great. Well, thank you because not, yeah, because it's so important for people to hear stories like this, especially when they're going through it. Because I, I mean, that's why I started this podcast because I feel like we, hearing stories about another human being going through what you're going through, it really helps you just feel less alone. 
I mean, even if it happens to someone across the world and they hear your story, we're all human beings and and things like this can be so hard. So thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm glad to to have been able to share my story because it needs to be told. I waited a very, very long time to tell it. And it's like, it's happened every single day. When you look up the statistics on infant death, it's like, God, so many babies passed away and I didn't tell my story. So let me get out here and tell my story so we can get these doulas because... (laughs) I can, I can make a difference. I'm going to change the world. You're doing Maybe at a time. I love that. Well, I wish you all the best. If there's any way I can help your foundation, please let me know. Thank you, Patrick. If there's anything I can do for you, you also let me know because you are, you're so strong. Truly. You, you just don't even know what the vindication that you give people. Thank you. Thank you. That's very nice. It's heavy. I couldn't imagine the excitement level of having a baby and and, and then not knowing when Mace was going to come home and trying to figure out answers and and tell family and and gosh, it's just, it's like you have to give a press conference, but you're in no way would want to give a press conference. I just mean a press conference from the sense that you would say it once and then not have to tell the story over and over again and and, and deal with the reaction. So I, my heart absolutely goes out to Mai and Mace's dad. Thank Mai so much for sharing their story and, and for what she's doing with the Mace Anthony Williamson Foundation and, and what she does to help others. It's It's incredible. Well, it's very surprising, but season three of Death Space is is winding down here. There's only a few more episodes left, but I I will be making more. I've already recorded part of season four already, though it it may take a little bit of a little bit of time because I have decided to go weekly with my other podcast called That Gives Me Anxiety. And and if you're liking this, I I know you'll you'll like that podcast. It's uh, about the things that scare us and bug us and it's all about mental health and and it's funny and, and light but also try to give a lot of good concrete tips for people to help themselves with their mental health i interview a lot of psychologists and uh, i'm really proud of it so I, i'd love for you to check that one out too but don't worry we still have some more episodes here and, and like i said death space is not going anywhere so until next week friends If you're having a big weekend, enjoy it. Have fun. If you're having a Home Depot weekend, it is what it is, you know? Feel good about getting all the stuff done. Just do what we did and and have something, a light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing. For me, it was a mezcal mule and then coming home and lighting, lighting a fire in the solo stove in the back with a little bit of whiskey. Ooh, there's nothing more calming than a fire. Yeah. Oh, man, what a gift Jamie got me. And once again, I'd like to mention and thank the sponsors. Spirit Vessel, use the promo code DEATHSPACE, one word, for free shipping on personalized urns and the celebration of life ceremony packages. The Cardist Studio, you can use the promo code DEATHPOD, one word, for 10% off all orders. And My Software Tutor, you can use the promo code POD20 for 20% off all orders. Thanks again to all those companies. Well, no matter what your weekend looks like, make it a good one. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. 